Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive Podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, back with you once again. Thank you very much, listeners, for joining us for the latest podcast. And today is a payroll-focused podcast. And of course, when it's a payroll-focused podcast, I have to get the man, the myth, the marathon legend himself, Mr. Chris Kirby. Why are you a marathon legend? Do you want to explain to our lovely listeners? Yeah, thank you, Chris. I'm chuckling here. I did the Chicago Marathon on the Sunday just gone. We're recording this middle of October. So yeah, I did the Chicago Marathon recently and I'm getting an awful lot of attention internally and getting referred to as a crazy marathon man. And that you indeed are. Now, Chris, we run a payroll forum. We've done a few of them and we met today's guest at our first payroll forum that we ran at the Ivy right at the beginning of March 2022. And after that first session, we both said we're getting him on the podcast because he's a good <laughs> chat. He's got good payroll chat and we've got some interesting stories that we can all talk about. So let's introduce him. It's Daniel Greaves, who's the global head of payroll at Brown Brothers Harriman. Daniel, how are you, sir? I am doing fantastically well. So glad to be joining you guys. Finally, we planned this back in March, right? We planned this ages ago. Um, <laughs> and for one reason or another, holidays, Chris Kirby was running his 7,000th marathon of the year. <laughs> no, we just couldn't get around to it, but we're doing it now. So I was just saying about the payroll forum. And the reason why we're doing today's podcast is because one of the conversations that we got into, which was kind of in a bit of a humorous sort of tone, we were talking about lost employees. I do want to get to some of those as conversation starter pieces. But before we do any of that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and then also what the guys at Brown Brothers Harriman do as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No problem. As you said, as you quite nicely introduced me in, Daniel Greaves. And actually, uh, I'm one of those really strange, unique people where payroll was actually my first ever job. So I started doing payroll and I'm still doing payroll and I absolutely love it. So I didn't just fall into payroll. I was groomed by it. Any uh, Batman fans out there would uh, recognize that from a Bane quote. So what helped me decide payroll was really, I just wanted to make sure I could get into something that people couldn't really understand and I wanted to understand it. So I wanted to turn it into something for a specialist, something that everyone could go, well, actually, can you explain this? How does my pay work? How does tax work? How do we pull this together? So I think it's been absolutely fantastic. And I'm really glad to have stuck in it for so long and been doing so much with payroll. Awesome. I do love your intros, Daniel. I love the story of how you've came into it. So many of us fell in, as you quite rightly observe. And I love the fact that it's been your sort of single focus for your entire career. So Chris mentioned a minute ago at the beginning of the podcast that one of the topics that we sort of began speaking about and thought it was a really good to, uh, conversation piece for a forum like this is around the concept of a lost employee. So do you want to just give us an overview of what we mean by that? Yeah, the amazing lost employee. I love it. So many would hear that and think it's about retention. It's about HR losing where someone is. But for payrollers, a lost employee is a phrase that explains what happens when we actually have no clue where or what 
payroll an employee is on, even though they work for our company. So some may hear that and think it's incomprehensible. But especially during the pandemic, this topic was coming up so regularly for so many companies, it became quite a good topic for all payrolls to discuss. And a lot of it was that someone decided maybe they got stuck overseas during the pandemic and they couldn't come back. Or maybe someone then decided, well, you know what, my family are overseas. I'm going to go overseas. However, payroll was not informed. Maybe HR was not informed. And the tax implications of lost employee could be huge. And sometimes the cost of it could be considerable. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting. You mentioned a couple of times there, the pandemic, and there's a lot of things. And payroll is one of the biggest impacted sort of departments when we think about the impact of the pandemic for many, many reasons. But you think about the concept of remote work, which was becoming more popular anyway, and then suddenly overnight, pretty much everybody was remote. And I guess the fact of the matter is, if you strip away any form of payroll knowledge and think I'm an employee with a laptop, why do I need to sit in the country that I have always sat in if my family do live overseas for example yeah. some of the stories we heard were around that weren't they you know people who just literally up sticks and went to a different country with their laptop thinking it makes no difference i'm still doing the same job kind of thing and i think you touched briefly on one of the implications there right about the tax implications which i think is one of the obvious ones and there are many so do you want to just give us an overview of some of the implications of having to deal with sort of lost employees yeah, absolutely. Um, so they're going to be a mix of sort of things I've heard and seen. One was that a couple of employees, really good, super hard workers, obviously, they're not aware of some of the legislation and policies. And I think a lot of companies hadn't really prepared policies for people working overseas, especially a lot of smaller companies. Bigger companies were really good with it, but smaller companies, they hadn't really figured that out. So a couple of employees, a few of them went overseas. By the time payroll figured out or HR figured out, a year had gone by. And one of the work that had to happen involved reversing all the payslips for the length of time that they are away and then making sure that we attach the correct taxation applied while they were in another country. Now, this can be really varied depending on double taxation rules in certain countries. And that's why it's really key that payroll is pulled in really closely with tax, with global mobility, with HR to ensure that we're doing the right things at the right time. So what that meant is then HMRC had to be informed. Once again, a considerable amount of money could be lost for the HMRC. So they have to be informed and told exactly how we're going to do it and how we're going to go about it. And it's a real headache. And then for the employee, because then the employee doesn't understand what's happening. They're thinking, well, I've been doing some great work. I've been still here doing my thing. You know, I've got family here. What's the problem? But uh, obviously we want to make sure that everything is buttoned up and tightened up. So that's just one of the examples. But as you can appreciate with payrollers working across the clock, especially during the pandemic, having deadlines always there, they never disappear. They never change. You can never say to someone, I tell you what, I'll pay you next month instead because i got this thing i got to sort out. It's just not possible. <laughs> so, so because of that, then you're having to do your day job and still trying to figure out how to reverse payslips, make sure it's done properly and make sure that everyone's aware of, of what's happening. So it's quite a challenge. Can I ask a question to both of you, actually? Both of you as professional payrollers, is this just a communications thing? Is this just a frustration from the payroll people saying, can you just get better at communicating with us as a team? Do you think other functions don't communicate with the payroll function enough? And that's why these kind of problems come up. 
I'll go first because of your extensive answer to the last question. I thought I'd give you a minute's break. I would say, Chris, it's certainly a factor. And I don't think there is one factor here. I think I touched on a moment ago, just simply the dynamic of the workforce and working arrangements, I think, and the fact that people don't even think about it. This isn't the fault of, for instance, HR or somebody like that, that there's lost employees. Actually, if they don't tell anybody, HR don't have a chance of knowing either. But I think there is an element of that as well. I think in companies where there's a very sort of fragmented landscape across people, people in HR functions where HR maybe works in silo from payroll, the systems aren't connected, it relies on heavy manual processes. Absolutely, there's going to be cases where a process is followed in HR and a system's updated without the true implications of anything being understood. And maybe if it's not integrated to payroll, payroll never even find out about that. So I think that is absolutely a dynamic. It's certainly not the only one or probably not even the main one. But I don't know, Daniel, whether you would agree with that or if you've got anything to add. Absolutely. Absolutely, Chris. Hit the nail on the head. In any of the cases of the people I've been speaking to about this, payroll is not the ones who have figured out that there's an issue. It's always been someone in HR has come over in a panic going, we've just found this out. No one told us in the teams. And I think it does mean that HR, payroll, as I mentioned before, tax, global mobility, finance, everyone really needs to be as close to the business as possible. And I think sometimes a business can see these as just an infrastructure function, as just a, a function that just churn things in and out and they just go. But really, all of those functions need to have a seat at the table, including payroll. We have to be there. We have to be included. We have to know what's going on because actually it could save company lots of money and save a lot of time and stress for the employees as well. I was just listening to you guys talking about that and I've just written down something which is is a key skill of somebody who's good at payroll somebody who has to be very very quick and reactive to things coming from left of field do you think that's I'll start with you Daniel on that one would you say that's probably one of the traits that a payroller has maybe more than even other people in other departments and other functions? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it at all. People talk about having an agile business or making sure that you can react quickly. Payroll has to do that constantly. And with loads of different things changing around them as well. We were in our last forum that we were all together, we were discussing, you know, the Queen's funeral. And when that happened, there was a day off for everyone and for, for those that could do it, for companies that did it. But for the companies that we were talking to, everyone there was working, every single one of them. So it is that payroll have to be agile. We have to be relentless and we have to really focus on what we have to do for a job because there's not much we can do. As I said, we can't just say, oh, sorry, I'm going to delay this for a month or I'm going to delay this for a week or two weeks. We can't do that. We have to do it. So I really do agree with that, Chris. And I'd certainly echo that. And I think it's sort of twofold for me. I think there's the BAU angle of being where you have to be reactive because frankly, I'm sure Daniel agrees, we've probably between us seen most things that can happen at short notice in a payroll cycle. So by its nature, I think you have to be very cautious. I think you just have to have a lens out across the whole landscape and you have to be aware of anything happening. And you also have to have your ears open as well. And I think in a change environment as well, whether it's transformations or BAU change, for example, I think those things can have short-term impacts as well that you need to be reactive to and things that weren't expected can we all know change programs can take different avenues at short notice can require immediate focus etc etc i think part of being in payroll is you do have to protect as daniel said a couple of times you have to protect the fact that you've got to pay people and we don't have the option of saying oh okay yeah this has come up we won't do this now we'll focus on this it's a skill and i'd actually use the word proactive as opposed to reactive you need to be looking for it and actively on top of it as opposed to being able to just react when it happens 
Yeah, exactly right. And I think there's a phrase, everyone knows a people business partner or a HR business partner, but a payroll business partner doesn't really exist. But actually, every single payroll person is a payroll business partner. We have to be. I think there is an old view of payroll being the ones in the dungeon stuck behind thousands of pieces of paperwork. And actually, you only tell them what you need to tell them to pay people. It's just not true. The landscape has changed considerably since then from when I started working and even from before then to right now. So payroll have to be involved in these conversations. And maybe sometimes it's payrollers have to recognize their worth and recognize how important it is to be proactive and maybe push that forward and maybe try and encourage that from businesses, encourage it from finance, tax, and just say, look, guys, can we get involved in this? Encourage the business. Can we get involved in this? We need to be here. We need to be at the table. We need to understand what's going on because of these implications. I really do feel that um, payroll's got a massive, massive part to play in every single company, but we just have to make sure that we have that voice and they hear it too. Absolutely, Daniel. I love that concept of a payroll business partner as well. I know you've mentioned that before and it's something that really, I think, rings true with me. We've covered quite a bit there around the controls and things that might lead to a lost employee happening and how payroll might need to react to it. So thinking back to lost employees, though, have you got some examples of stories you've heard? So it doesn't have to be in your company. It could be other stories, but of where something like this has happened and the challenges it brought about. Let's have somebody else's dirty washing uh, air out. This is, all, this is the gossip section. It's the funniest bit I heard about this one company. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, I'm never going to reveal the company. It definitely wasn't mine. So uh, happy to say that. But it's really good. One of the things that I heard the other day was that a lot of companies, they have loads of different entities, especially global companies. This is where usually things slip up because they've got someone out in, say, APAC, for instance. And then actually there's different taxation rules from Tokyo to Beijing. So actually what happens is if someone's moving from one part to another, someone who maybe isn't aware of what's going on thinks, oh, well, we're just moving them. They're still within the region so it should be okay but then it takes a payroll professional or a tax professional or a finance professional to say actually maybe we should get some advice on this maybe it's something that we need to look at and that's one that i heard the other day the same thing happened someone was based in another country and the company thought well it's okay they can just be paid out of this other country because at least they're close well proximity isn't what matters here it's, it's about the rules and the taxation and what happens there and from when i spoke to that person they said that it was hours and hours of work over a good few days and actually they weren't sure entirely how to do it. So then they had to get external counsel to help them as well. And then that's then an additional cost on top for the company to then pay an external payroll consultancy to actually explain what they need to do and how they need to resolve it. So a lot of it is time, but actually the cost, it's the money element. Because I think a lot of companies will see, well, you know, payroll will fix it. They have some deadlines anyway, so they'll just work overtime like most payrollers do. However, when it comes down to actually now we need consultancy, now we need to figure this out, then the cost starts ramping up. And I think that is what will help maybe companies to realize that payroll needs a seat at the table at the beginning because it will stop those sorts of things from happening. Amazing. Yeah. I've actually got a couple of stories myself, Daniel, just that I could share as well. And I chuckled. Clearly, it's not funny and I, and I won't be sharing the name of the companies either. But I think just touching back on what you mentioned there, I think there's a danger. And one of the other angles, Chris, back to your question earlier around why it happens and things. One of the other angles is there's too much emphasis and focus on process without that additional sort of knowledge, which you really need from a payroll person, a payroll team or a payroll provider, which is very specific to different countries. And I think one instance where I saw that was 
there were two people who were being employed in, I think it was in Belgium at the time. And frankly, the company that I was working for didn't want to go through the effort of setting up an entire entity in Belgium just to pay two people. So they spoke to somebody in France and said, can you just use your payment method to pay them through the European payroll uh, payment sort of system? We'll calculate offline their payments and get that through. I mean, Daniel and I laugh at that and know immediately you don't do that. But actually, people without payroll experience or with knowledge and understanding won't necessarily think of that. I'll just give one other example was I actually had an instance, I was working on a project and the company I was working for had had an employee who had contacted the government in Italy for something, whether it was a benefit or something like that. And it was only at that point he'd realised that he wasn't actually registered on the Italian payroll and yet he'd moved there like maybe eight or nine months previously. So he'd contacted the Italian authorities to say, you need this, I need that. And they'd said, we haven't got any records of your attendance and your work here. And it was the employee who actually contacted the company to say, what's going on? Why are you not giving this information across? It's like, well, because you never told us you'd moved. (laughs) (laughs) There's just this disconnect between information that is truly specialist, I think, in the back end and employees who wouldn't necessarily even think about that sort of thing as part of their second nature. And I think a big part of our job, Daniel, is that middle ground, which is how do you take that really complex information and make sure people do know and do think about it? That is really the key. So many times payrollers know the information, but have they shared that with the rest of the business? Are they aware of it or maybe finance are aware or tax are aware? And that's why I mentioned a lot of the companies that struggle with this are maybe the smaller companies that aren't aware of the implications. A lot of the bigger companies, they've got someone probably in global mobility who's really kicking up a fuss about this and has maybe designed a policy in order to go with this. But then even after that policy is designed, is it readily available for staff to be able to see? In a previous company I was at, they did a fantastic job where they did a rollout of, well, this is the policy. This is how it works. This is what you can do. This is what's available to you. And they made sure every single person was on that call. They made it a mandatory training exercise that everybody had to see what was going on. Because at the end of the day, something like this is really costly and could really affect a business in a large way. So I do think it's really important that even though companies do have policies or maybe they are preparing something, they should really make sure that they communicate that out to the business and everyone can be that business partner and let the business know exactly what the implications are, what we can do, how we can do it, and how to make sure that these things don't come up again. This is really interesting. And you've just been talking about, obviously, big companies versus small companies. That's going to be my next question, because we're talking about this idea of this lost employees. And in my head, a simple marketeer who doesn't get involved too much from the payroll side, I think to myself, this concept of lost employees surely can't be a factor with smaller businesses because they can track it a little bit easier. Whereas with larger businesses, there's 100,000, 200,000 people, it gets a lot more difficult to track. But then I guess, as you're just saying there, Daniel, if you've got these bigger organisations, perhaps you have people who can put the checks and balances and departments in. Is that a true statement to make? Or is it just as complex, in your opinion, smaller businesses compared to the larger businesses? I do actually think it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, because it has to make a difference. The bigger a company is, then of course, the easier it is for them to have a lost employee. Someone slips under the radar. However, then the larger company may also be more likely to have a policy in place to make sure it doesn't happen. So I think the real question is, is how are companies communications? What are they doing to communicate this, to say to people, this is the impact of it. This is how important it is in order to make sure that these things don't go up. So I do think the size of a company can make a difference, but I think the communication of the company is more key. 
Yeah, I'd echo that, Daniel. I think a very small scale, there's probably more chance that you know that Dave, who sits next to you, isn't there anymore. And every time he logs on, he's got a swimming pool in the background, for example. Um, but, but other than that, I think broadly, it just comes down to the same fundamentals, doesn't it? I think the other angle on this is around, I think, technology. And I think that feeds into the company size to a certain extent as well, because there's potentially more likelihood of there being significant investment in technology. I think I'd just like to touch quickly on the pandemic when it comes to technology as well. You mentioned it earlier around the impact of the pandemic in this space. And I think that shone a different light on time and attendance, right, with companies. I think just literally overnight, companies turned up the following day and we really need to know where our employees are. Where are they? We actually don't know because we've got 19 different payroll systems. We've got no central HR system. Time and attendance is done on a whiteboard in this country and someone's drawing that country (laughs) on a spreadsheet here. And those are real life examples. They are funny when you think back to it, but that was genuinely happening. And I think the time and attendance, I think probably has moved a lot closer to payroll now than it potentially was before the pandemic. I think it was a bit of a hot potato previously. You might have business hubs honing it in one place and HR in another, whatever it may be. And I think it probably bolts very much into payroll more now because of that. And would you agree? that technology can be enabler to prevent this sort of scenario? And if not, what steps can payroll teams take to mitigate? Yeah, I think you used the right word, enabler. Technology is a partner. It's something that should enable you to do something. But I think what happens is a lot of companies focus on technology as being first place and they get maybe a technology solution or they focus on technology, but actually haven't got the policies in place in the first place or haven't got the processes in place to make sure that what goes into technology will help them. I do think that that's really important. Can you imagine getting a brand new piece of fresh tech, but actually someone in HR hasn't been told that a person has just moved to Mexico and they're still paying them it doesn't matter you can have the nicest bit of tech or the nicest bit of kit ever but actually if your processes aren't tightened up then it's not really help you much but i do agree technology is an amazing enabler i think it's a fantastic partner if you get the technology right and if it's maintained right as well there's so many systems that i love to implement systems i love systems and so many systems i look at and i see and and you're just thinking what what happened (laughs) and it's that someone eight years ago decided that it was a bit long to do it so they just never bothered to update it and then you know you come in five six years down the road and you're thinking what have they done why are all of these different so i do think that technology is important it is an enabler it is a great partner but yeah you still have to make sure the policies and the processes are tightened up first Absolutely. Spot on. I wanted to ask you both, actually, one, we're coming towards the end of the uh, podcast. Fascinating stuff, really, in talking about this concept of the lost employees. You both have talked a lot about the impact of how the pandemic has impacted businesses in this idea of losing employees, because, you know, I'll admit it, my parents have got a house in Portugal. I did fancy like disappearing off to Portugal for nine months. (laughs) Uh, Didn't do it, but I did admit to having a few thoughts about it. But with that in mind, we are getting to the end of 2020. 22, the lockdown period looks to be behind us, although admittedly COVID is still with us and part of our normal lives. And I started to think if we're having this conversation in five years time and the pandemic is well and truly behind us. Is this idea of lost employees something that we'll look back on and say, oh, that was very much heightened at the pandemic. It was an issue. Or do you think you guys as payrollers, and we'll start with Daniel on this one, do you think you guys will still be talking about some of the challenges around we're still seeing lost employees, not from a business perspective, but from an industry perspective, I'm thinking. 
I really hope not. I mean, it's great because it keeps us on our toes and we get to keep fresh, but it really could do with people being still quite mobile, with things changing, landscapes changing, people wanting to do something new. Chris Kirby deciding he's not going to come back from a run one day and deciding to stay out in another country. And, and all of a sudden, you've got to figure out what country that is and you've got to pay him there. So I do think that this is something that in five years time, if policies aren't looked at, if communication isn't given to employees, then this could still happen. There's some people I know who will go, oh, well, another company, a really large tech conglomerate, they've just said that their employees can work anywhere in the world. So if they can do it, surely I can do it. And then they go off and take themselves off. And you're like, well, actually, do you know what their policy actually is? And they haven't realized that it's, yeah, they can work anywhere in the world, but maybe for only 30 days, whereas you thought it was 90 days because you did some Googling. I do think in the next five years, it could still be an issue, but I really hope not. I really hope that payrollers are able to really get their voice going, connect with all the different areas, global mobility, tax, finance, get that communication out to the business, speak to the COOs, the CFOs, and make sure that this stuff is really out there. Make sure that they can talk to businesses and raise the awareness of this. So hopefully in five years time, we could say that us three today, we stop the rot of lost employees. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's summarised it extremely well there. And I think, I don't know that it'll ever not be a thing because ultimately we spoke earlier about there's several reasons that it happens now and i think human error is human error i don't think we'll ever get to a point where this is top of an employee's view when they log into a computer make sure you tell us if you move abroad and that's always going to be a factor but i would say that's a minor factor and i'd like to think that potentially as a result of the pandemic i'd like to think that policies as daniel has said have already been or are being or are planned to be looked at in most companies but also technology and how these things are sort of managed as well and as a so I'd like to think that that broad holistic picture will result in a reduction in this happening and it will be only because an employee or someone hasn't actually done something and not known they needed to. A lovely uh, way to end off the uh, podcast with Daniel and Chris Kirby both flying the flag as the uh, pioneers to the, the ones that stopped the concept of lost employees happening. We were there right at the beginning when we recognised it, when we suggested some remedial action for businesses that are experiencing this. And we'll take all of the credit when in five years time we're saying this isn't even, even an issue anymore. Listen, we're at the pod now. It's the, at the end of today's pod, it's been absolutely fantastic. A joy to again have a chat with you, Daniel. Um, really, really good to have you on the podcast. So thank you very much for joining us. I'm absolutely delighted to be on and thank you guys for inviting me. It's yeah. been great. It's been really, really good. And Chris, my partner in crime, the person that helps me to ask the questions. Thank you very much, sir. No problem. Most enjoyable as usual, Chris. Of course, if you are a payroll person and you are interested in joining our forum, we run these forums regularly. Daniel is there and usually is the one that's telling me where we're going to eat next because we do <laughs> not normally do nice lunches. And he's often leaning over and saying, well, next time I'd like to go here, please. So if you do fancy being part of our payroll forum, just reach out to either myself or most likely Chris Kirby. We'd be happy to give you some more details. That is it from us today. Thank you very much for listening. We've loved having you with us. Hopefully you found this informative and useful we always love getting a good a good bit of payroll chat on the hr on the offensive podcast so thank you very much for joining us and we will see you next time on the hr on the offensive podcast bye-bye